Welcome. If you're a woman who has a sense that there's more out there for you, you're in the right place. I'm Whitney Baker, host of the Electric Ideas podcast. Somewhere along the line of working kids, life carried on, but I lost track of my truth. I'm on a reflective journey, and that's what this podcast is all about. Each week, I interview a woman who is lighting her own path and offering others hope. Before our conversation ends, we'll share a reflective question for you to explore. Sometimes all we need is a jolt, a fresh idea, an aha moment that connects us to a sense of possibility. This, my friends, is what I call an electric idea. Welcome back to Electric Ideas. Today's guest is Gloria Zhang. Gloria is a Canada-based relationship coach and therapist. She's super well-known for her show. It's called The Inner Child Podcast. And through her work with clients and her show, Glory helps women, especially overachievers, create successful, secure relationships using her unique inner child methods. So I find inner child work a fascinating area, and it's something that I hope to have future podcast episodes on. For today's purposes, we're focusing just on how inner child wounds can play out in relationships. So if you're new to this, I hope you can greet it with an open mind, and I'm sure you're going to have some great takeaways. So let's get started. Gloria, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good, Whitney. And also congratulations on 25 episodes at the time that we're recording. Ah, thank you so much. And I'm excited to have you here to help propel us past that milestone. So let's get right into this because this inner child work is so fascinating to me. And I know you're a relationship coach and therapist, but your focus is really on addressing inner child wounds. So let's start with what the inner child is, just so everyone has the same baseline. Yeah, absolutely. The inner child is a bit of a weird concept for folks who might be hearing this for the first time, because it's not literally a real kid inside. But the way that I like to describe it to people is that the version of you when you were little, before all the traumas, before all the social conditionings and rules and these little things that we pick up from from growing up, there was a version of you that existed before all of that happened. And that's your inner child, right? In my opinion, it's sort of like your real self. It's the version of you that is a lot more spontaneous. It's the version of you that feels free to just be yourself. And what happens is as we kind of go through life, you know, people get jaded, people pick up all sorts of belief systems about themselves, about the world, and we lose touch with with our inner kids. And inner child work really is about going back to who you actually were, sort of unpeeling and pulling back the layers of things that we learn, right, as we grow up uh, and realizing that we're all just little kids walking around in adult bodies, right? Like you, you remember everything that you experience as a kid and those parts of you uh, always stay with you no matter what. So yeah, that's, uh, that's your inner child. All right. So we've got an inner child and (laughs) I, I, I feel like the way that makes sense to me when you, when you think about, and right now it's summer, so it's easier sometimes for me. I think about when it's just like natural, your your natural, present, playful self. That's when it feels like you're aligned with your inner child. Is that a fair Definitely. way to explain it? Yes. Or- like when you think about your best moments, you always feel like you're a kid again, right? I hear that all the time. Hmm. Or maybe if you had a little bit of too much wine to drink and you, you kind of let that part of you loose. Yeah. 
I get, I get it. It's, it's a sense of freedom and wonder. Okay. So that is a wonderful feeling for all of us, but some people have what you call inner child wounds. And so Mm -hmm. tell me a little bit more about what the signs that might kind of Mm -hmm. with broad strokes, some of like the general signs that you might hold that. And maybe you're not even aware. Yeah. I think we all carry some types of wounds from our childhood. Even childbirth is a little bit traumatic if you think about it. But the big core wounds that I talk about, uh, so they're abandonment, guilt, neglect, and trust wounds. And basically, it's whenever we have experiences as a kid where our needs are, are not met during that time of our lives, whether it was intentional or not, we kind of carry those little traumas with us. And they show up later on in our adult relationships. So I think the most common one is the abandonment wound, right? Fear of someone leaving you or breaking up with you. I mean, that's just, that's such a common one. And it seems like that's an adult issue of, oh, this is my adult romantic relationship. But probably 99% of the time, I can probably trace that same exact feeling back to maybe when you were seven years old and mom was leaving you to go to work all the time, right? Those old feelings kind of carry through us into our romantic lives. Well, that's a good bridge because I recognize this is very, I want to be sensitive. I know this is a huge loaded question, but I think that we all (laughs) recognize at some level that our relationship with our parents impacts our relationship with our partner. And mm-hmm. I'm kind of talking specific to our, our partnerships, but can you give us a few more examples of how you commonly see this relationship that some of your clients have with their parents play out either positively and or negatively with their, their spouses? Yes, Whitney. It's called daddy issues for a reason, right? <laughs> or mommy <laughs> issues. And sometimes people don't really like when I use those terms, but let's just call it spade a spade. You know, when you go back to when you were a kid, if you were raised by your parents, that is literally the first interaction that you ever have with another human being, right? And that is why those early year relationships are so important. I would even call them blueprints for us because you know, if you have a certain type of relationship with your dad, if your dad was always criticizing you, if your dad was, you know, never sensitive to your feelings, right, that's shaping your view of what a relationship with a man is like, or or with a woman, if it's your mom, right. And this is a bit of, you know, nerdy science, but up until we're about seven to eight years old, uh, and even beyond that, but especially during that time, our brains are like sponges, they just absorb and suck in all this information, especially from the people closest to us, which tends to be mom or dad. And so, you know, you can really think about it, if you have such negative experiences or complicated relationships with mom or with dad, you can kind of see how that will affect the way you show up in romantic relationships. And usually people actually start choosing partners that remind them of their parents. I mean, Freud is rolling in his grave as I'm talking about this, right? But you see patterns where, for example, a common one is women who felt ignored by their father's sometimes we'll actually seek out partners that also kind of treat them the same way, right? They sort of end up in these relationships with people who are a bit avoidant or, you know, like emotionally not very present. 
So that would be an example. That makes a lot of sense. So give us one more, because I mean, we're focused on women here. So that's yeah. a father mm-hmm. example. Let's do one example of a, a I'm air quoting because I know, <laughs> I know, I, I know people might realize, but mommy issue, people get what we're talking yeah. about. So, okay. That, that, that's really helpful. I just think that for people to have some kind of specific example. So give mm-hmm. us an example of a child wound that's kind of stemming in the mommy issue. The, category. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. There's so many different types of mommy issues. I would say that one I see quite often in clients is the overbearing mother, <laughs> right? Or the mother that's a bit like a, a helicopter parent. And that can kind of go either ways. Uh, sometimes, you know, if you are a woman yourself, you find that you start behaving the same way as the same sex parent in your own relationships, because that's kind of teaching you something about gender roles, right? I mean, I used to do that too. So my mom was also a bit of this, like very controlling, not at her fault. That's just what she grew up with. Uh, like very controlling, very nitpicky type of person. I would just watch her the way that she would treat my father. And later on in life, I found myself, lo and behold, doing the exact same thing to my partners of nitpicking them and criticizing them and not really understanding why, right? But it's because I absorbed that as a kid and I I brought that into my relationships. I don't do that anymore, thank goodness. (laughs) But yeah, that's another pretty common example. Since you opened that up to your, your personal story, I guess, was there a moment? How did you, how did you realize, oh my gosh, I'm doing the exact same thing. And I, (laughs) that's not what I want for myself. How did you realize that and pivot away from that? Well, thank you for asking Whitney. I've had, um, I've had a lot of pretty bad rock bottoms. So, you know, I've actually been in probably 10 years of quite toxic relationships before I discovered the inner child work. And it was actually my therapist at the time. So I was actually in this 12 month situationship where the guy just wouldn't commit to me. And I was finding myself getting into those same dynamics that I, I just mentioned before. And my therapist said to me one day, he said, Gloria, like this guy you're dating, he seems a lot like your dad. And that was like the, the mic drop moment because I had never connected my own childhood upbringing to my current like you know relationship issues and that's kind of where it all started for me because I I realized that I was literally becoming like my parents right even though we try so hard not to repeat the same things but it's so ingrained and and that's kind of where it started for me so whether we are you know single or in a healthy feeling yeah. supportive relationship mm-hmm. I think that at a certain age. And sometimes for me, it comes up during life changes. There are certain things that come up replicating behaviors of your caregivers that maybe there's contrast, like you're, you have an awareness, like, huh, for me, I try to get curious about it. But if we're recognizing those behaviors in ourselves and we want to be mindful and kind of move past that aside from therapy, what are some things that we could do to maybe bridge that gap? Yeah, that's the the million dollar question, right? Yeah. Yeah. So awareness is, of course, always the first step. So I know you're a mama, Whitney, and I think um, a lot of folks, they, so they start noticing them in their romantic relationships, but they usually don't do anything about it until they become a parent. <laughs> and there's, and then it becomes a lot more obvious, right? Of, oh, wow. Like there's something like there's something about the way I'm showing up for my kids. 
So I think taking personal responsibility, I know it's kind of a generic answer, but that really is the first step because at some point you have to not just recognize that you've inherited these things, but you need to make it your personal responsibility to start changing the course of actions that that you're currently going down, right? So taking that responsibility, something I always say to new clients is Mm -hmm. it takes time to change patterns. It really does, right? Otherwise, you know, I wouldn't be on the show right now. And it's not always about trying to become perfect or becoming a completely different person from maybe who your parents were or what you grew up with, but it's almost about kind of catching yourself one minute earlier, right? Catching yourself 30 seconds sooner between like the trigger and the reaction, And over time, people find that they are a lot more cognizant of the way that they're reacting to things. And it can take a few tries before you get it right. But that's really all it is. It's sort of increasing the space and the time between that triggering thing and the way that you're responding to it. That makes a lot of sense. And I think too, you mentioned your awareness that I'm a mother. I think that sometimes in talking to people in my community, and I have obviously tons of mom friends, I think when you have kids, sometimes things get triggered in you or your spouse that didn't come up in your relationship mm-hmm. at all before. I think that kids can show us unhealed wounds. Would you yes. say that's fair? <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, totally. You know, there is one specific thing that just came to mind for me, which is sometimes if you had a particularly difficult year as a kid, like let's say you got bullied when you were, you know, starting to um, like in prepubescent years, for example. And then when you see your kid <laughs> hitting that age, right, it can bring out certain things of, uh, inside you because it reminds you of something bad that happened to you at that time. And you might find yourself becoming like more protective of them or even triggered by your child uh, themselves as they get older, right? And then you you kind of see yourself in them and the way that that you were. Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting to be sensitive to. Another thing that comes up a lot, and I know you address this with some of your clients, is this can happen, kids or not, but I feel like women get into this caregiver role and, mm-hmm. and tell me about this. Let's bring it back to kind of the inner child wounds where, where your expertise lies. When women get into the caregiver role, sometimes they completely lose themselves in their relationships. So how do we know if we've kind of, quote, lost ourselves in our relationship? And what advice do you have for women who feel like they've surrendered their identity a little too yeah. much? Yeah, I love this topic because I used to be one of those women, <laughs> Right. Like I felt like I was such a badass in, you know, my career life. And then it was like a flip just switch when I got into a relationship. And all of a sudden, like all my attention was going to that other person, making sure they were okay, making sure they were happy and taken care of. And then you don't realize it until later on, right? That you've been sort of pulled into this vortex. That's that's kind of what it feels like. Uh, I don't know if you've ever (laughs) felt that way before. You know, it's so interesting with when we look back to the way that we raise girls and boys, boys get trains and girls get babies. (laughs) It's like, you just got here. Let me give you this other toy baby. And I think that kind of conditioning starts so, so young. Why are little girls playing with kitchens (laughs) and little boys are playing with Lego pieces? It doesn't make any sense. And so I think we, 
all of us collectively have sort of internalized the the nurturing women sort of archetype, right? That women are going to be there to take care of you and pick up the pieces. And of course, there's nothing wrong with it. I think all of everybody as, as a human being has nurturing elements to them, right? But that's not our sole purpose in life, right? We're more than just that. So I do think some of it is societal and the rest of it is also you know, on an individual level, what did you see your mom doing when you grew up, right? Was she the one that was always working hard, putting herself last to take care of the kids? Because if so, you're probably going to start doing that too, right? And not even realize it. Yeah, I think this is going to give people a lot of a lot to think on and a <laughs> lot of awareness. So Okay. I want to, I have a few more things. I just think yeah. that would be really important. I know we're jumping around a little bit, but in terms I love of- it. <laughs> I, I'm like, I got, I've got Gloria here and yeah. everybody, everybody wants to have good relationships, right? I mean, it's a cornerstone to the happiness and fulfillment of our lives. So there's just a couple other more one-off questions that I have for you that I think would be just so, so really wonderful to hear your perspective on. So Communication. That's one thing Mm -hmm. that I think comes up a lot. And so I I was wondering with your clients, what are some of the best strategies you have for women who want to, maybe they're in this position where they need to advocate for themselves Mm -hmm. more if they've lost their identity, but just in general, what are your, you know, rules for the road when it comes to having fair, better communication Mm -hmm. and relationships? Yeah, such a good question. I mean, everyone wants to be in a happy relationship, right? You never hear anyone saying, oh, I just want like an okay relationship. Like nobody says that. And so, you know, to your question, Whitney, since I do work with women, I think for women specifically, there's certain challenges when it comes to like, you know, fighting and communication issues. And I find that for women, it's actually, it's not so much about how to deal with the other person, but it's more about becoming more connected with your own emotions in general, not, not always, because, you know, whether you're losing yourself in a relationship or you're just losing control in these arguments, there's kind of a common denominator there, which is the fact that you're not really listening to your own feelings, right? If you were really listening to your feelings and honoring your own boundaries and your own emotions, you wouldn't be losing yourself in the feelings because your feelings will tell you that it's time to take a freaking nap, right? It's it's time to go, you know, on a girl's trip and take care of yourself. Likewise, when usually when we get into arguments, it's because we're not clearly articulating something that's bothering us right? Or we kind of say it in this, you know, beat around the bush, nice girl way that doesn't really resolve the problem. And so it just keeps coming back over and over. So I think, uh, you know, the number one thing really is connecting with your inner girl. So this is an exercise I like to do with uh, like listeners and clients uh, of really like pulling up this image of what you looked like as a little girl and, and bringing her out, right. And, and putting her right here on your heart and just asking that little girl, what are you feeling right now? And that's it. Sometimes that's all you need is having little Whitney or, you know, little Anna, little Bethany feel like you are acknowledging what she's feeling. And she might say, well, I'm really frustrated at my husband, right. Or, 
I'm really upset that this happened or I'm disappointed. And that's the thing that that's the work really is sitting with those emotions and dealing with them, I think, and communicating them in a way that the other person can actually, you know, respond to what you're saying, right? Because if you're just going in saying like, I'm fine, right? Or nothing's wrong, right? That's not really moving the relationship forward. It's just kind of creating this energy suck for, for the both of you. So yeah, connecting with your inner girl and just asking her how she feels and, and making that okay. I love that you shared that because I I like to give people a tangible practice that they Mm -hmm. can try. So just to go a little bit deeper in that, would you recommend like using when, 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 when's the best time to try that? I mean, in the morning when we're fresh and uninterrupted or (laughs) after we have a disagreement and maybe we or in moments when we feel like we didn't handle ourselves as we would have wished, is it more something reflective? Like, okay, what needs aren't getting met? With yeah. little, little Gloria, or just yeah. tell me a little bit more so people can really try that. Yeah, that's a really great question. I kind of treat this like I would with fire drills, where if you're only doing it when there's a, there's the buildings burning down, it's probably too late, right? Because mm. you haven't really built that, that muscle memory for it yet. And unfortunately, you know, if you're only focusing on crisis management, you're, you're kind of missing the point. So to, to those listening, yes, I, I actually do recommend people doing it first thing in the morning before there's a crisis so that you can actually practice what it feels like to get into that mindset of checking in with yourself. You know, for the longest time, Whitney, I didn't do any self-care for like a, a very, very long time because it just, it seemed so cheesy. You know, <laughs> like it was like, eh, like I could, you know, I could take a two minute break. I could not. It felt like it didn't actually make an impact, but it really does. Right. It's those little moments of checking in with yourself that kind of, you know, add up over time. So yes, uh, you were correct. (laughs) Starting first thing in the morning, just so you know, your brain knows what to do, right? Because if you're only going to do it when you're fighting, you're not, first of all, you're not even feeling like yourself in that moment. And second of all, you're so pulled into that argument that uh, your brain's not going to be able to think of checking in with yourself at that time. Right. So yeah, (laughs) that makes a lot of sense. And so now we have that, that as an example of an exercise we can try. And obviously you've shared, and I know that your, your story, you said you spent a decade feeling kind of unfulfilled and, and mm-hmm. not in a great place with the relationships, but I'm very happy for you. I know now you've got Thank you. <laughs> a loving relationship and a strong partnership connection. So give us your top secrets. I, how do we build a healthy relationship? Yeah, definitely. Thank you very much, Vinny. Yeah, this is our house. And it's something that in the past, I I never thought would be possible for me. Because I I always thought that I was, you know, too broken or or too damaged or all all of these beliefs that I think a woman carry with them. And I really do believe it starts with you. Right? I do truly believe that. I mean, this is sort of a second exercise I'll throw in here. But if you look at all the people in your life right now, except for family, like your friends, your relationships, those people actually symbolize what kind of person you were at the time that you met them, 
Hmm. Right. And so if you had very poor boundaries, like 10 years ago, probably all of your friends that you met at that time were people that only became your friend because you had poor boundaries. And we kind of do the same thing with relationships where we attract people, where we choose people and bring them into our lives because of who we are. Like relationships are sort of like an extension of ourselves. So when it comes to, you know, when it comes to meeting someone, I believe it's about who you're showing up as in your relationship. But if you are already in a relationship, it's about learning to take accountability for your own stuff, right? It's very easy to blame everything on your partner. I've been there. I know what it's like. But at the end of the day, I think we all intuitively understand that it really does take two to tango, mm-hmm. right? And we can only be accountable for our own actions. And I mean, the other thing is when you, when you've already committed to someone, you've basically told them that I accept you the way you are. Right. And so if you're already with someone, it really is in your best interest to become more accepting of the other person. I think that's really important without judgment, because we all want to be loved for who we are as well. And it's, it's mirroring that same expectation to your partner, right? So, I mean, I'm not perfect. <laughs> I'm such a klutz, like my partner, Andrew, he's the clean one in the relationship. And so I've had to adjust a lot, but you know, he doesn't make me feel bad about it. He's not perfect either. And I have to be, you know, loving and okay about it. And I think that is probably, if I had to pick one thing is probably one of the most important things to sustaining a relationship. So, yeah, (laughs) that's beautifully offered. And I I feel like it's really easy, especially if you've been in a long-term relationship to, to nitpick, but Mm -hmm. maybe using that filter of, is it really worth, you know, like, you know, (laughs) no, I wouldn't want to be nitpicked. So just remember reminding ourselves, I, I hear you there. We're coming up on time. Is there any other, I feel like we've covered a lot of territory and I know that this is just such a a rich space and that Mm -hmm. inner child is, is set so ripe for conversation. Is there any other kind of takeaways that you feel like your clients have that you feel like you'd like to leave with our listenership Mm -hmm. that we didn't have a chance to cover that are in this realm? Yeah. And also thank you, Whitney, for having me on here. Yeah. This was really fun. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. My absolute pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. If there's anything to kind of take away, it's if anyone listening has something that they feel very triggered about, or, you know, if there's a particular thing that seems to bother you a lot, I think a very helpful question that I, I have clients ask themselves is when have I felt this way before? Hmm. And this is a very simple, but very powerful question, because you'll start to make connections between what the problem is now and why it's actually about the thing that happened to you a long time ago. So just to give you an example, you know, let's say I like, actually, this is a a personal example. So I, for a long time, I felt very bothered when anyone talked in a loud voice. It was just very triggering for me, even when it was with a partner who I was very comfortable around. And if I traced it back to, okay, when was the first time that it bothered me to hear a loud voice? It would go back to my childhood, 
right? And in the household, there was a, a, a particular family member who always raised their voice whenever they were upset. And it scared me a lot because I was like, you know, five years old at that time. And that's what carried with me. And so that tells me that it's not really about my partner, right? My partner is fine. It's about this thing I got to resolve from when I was five years old. So yeah, that would be the last takeaway. That's really great perspective. Thank you for sharing that. And (laughs) coincidentally, I always end my podcast interviews by asking women, what's one question women should be asking themselves more? (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, I feel like unless something comes to mind, I feel like you just, you know, nailed it right there. (laughs) Read your mind. (laughs) You did. You did. Well, this is a wonderful conversation. And I know that there's so much more depth and things to learn across relationships and inner child. So where can people find you and follow you to continue to expand their understanding of this? Yeah, for sure. I think the easiest way would um, just be checking out the inner child podcast. It's literally called the inner child podcast on all streaming platforms. And also I'm, I'm on Instagram at by Gloria Zhang. Yeah, I'm a grammar. Instagrammer. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm sure everyone will be happy to find you there. And thank you so much for your time. My pleasure, Whitney. Yeah. We'll go traveling again soon, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. (laughs) I'm so glad you joined me today. If you're looking for more, feel free to connect with me on Instagram at at Whitney woman. And if you enjoyed the show, I invite you to support me by leaving a review or sharing it with a friend. Hope you have an inspired day.